0: Thank you for joining in on today's podcast at The Gathering Church, a place of grace where people far from God experience life in Christ. To find out more information about our ministry, please go into the World Wide Web at www.thegatheringnj.org. Again, that's www.thegatheringnj.org. Sit back, relax, and listen in. Ready to go into the Word of God this morning. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of 2 Kings. We're going OT this morning. It's so funny, Pastor Egg and I were talking. He said, When we say pull out our Bibles now, we don't see too many people with books anymore. Everybody pull out the cell phone. Pull out your Bibles. There's a few old school people here with a Bible. There you go, Brother Willie. Thank you, Brother Gates. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Pull out your Bibles. Amen. And I want you to turn to 2 Kings chapter 5, and we're going to be reading from from the first verse. Amen. When you have it, just stand to your feet. Let's honor the Word of God. Amen. In this house. Get your last stretch on. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And I'll be reading my version i'm reading from is the contemporary english version so it's going to read just a little bit different but you'll hear the context and crux of the scripture this morning amen we all have it amen all right naaman was the commander of the syrian army the lord had helped him and his troops defeat their enemies So the king of Syria respected Naaman very much. Naaman was a brave soldier, but he had leprosy. One day while the Syrian troops were raiding Israel, they captured a girl and she became a servant of Naaman's wife. Sometime later, the girl said, If your husband Naaman will go to the prophet in Samaria, he will be cured of his leprosy. I read the last verse again. If your husband Naaman would go to the prophet in Samaria, he would be cured of his leprosy. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you this morning, we thank you, oh God, for this opportunity to break the bread of life, oh God. Father, I pray Lord God that I would decrease as you would increase, Lord. Father, you know the hearts you know the needs, you know the minds of your people this morning, Lord. As as the faces differ, oh God, so does their needs this morning. And so I pray that you will minister a ram a word, a right now word to them this morning, Lord God. That we will not leave the same way we came in the name of Jesus, but that we will leave transformed in the presence of a holy God. And if you believe that church this morning, say amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. God is calling us today to stand on his promises and to trust him like we've never trusted him before. The Bible says in Psalms 91 verse 4, he will cover you with his pinions, meaning his wings, and under his wings you will find refuge. There's a story of a woman who took a particular comfort in that particular scripture in the 91st Psalm. One day as she was getting in her car, one day as she was getting in her car, a man came up with a gun and ordered her to get in the car. She got in the car and did as he said. He said, now drive. And so he yelled at her. And so she was driving and was filled with fear. Imagine yourself in a situation like that. And so she wanted some comfort, and so she began to, quote, The scripture from Psalms 91, verse 4. And she kept repeating it to herself over and over and over and over again. And she kept saying, his feathers will cover me. His feathers will cover me. His feathers will cover me. And first she was whispering to herself. And then she got louder and louder and louder and louder. And finally, the assailant shouted, stop the car. Let me out. You're crazier than I am. And indeed, (laughs) she rested on God's protective wings. God is calling us today to stand on his word and to trust him, to be obedient to his promises. We've been hearing every week from the messages that have been coming forth that 2013 is our banner year. Amen. I do believe that as we sung it last, we were breaking barriers exceeding expectations and exploring new frontiers. I believe that, but we cannot hold on or claim the promise of God unless we're walking in God's obedience, amen? In the old church, we used to say, God don't bless mess, amen? Praise the Lord. He'll take your mess and make it into a message, but he don't bless mess, amen? And so God is calling us today to stand on his promises like never before. We just read in the scripture, in the book of 2 Kings verse um, chapter five, and we hear about a man named Naaman. The Bible says Naaman was the commander of the Syrian army. Now the Syrian army, we, we, we're talking biblically, those Bible scholars, this is Aram, this is Damascus, amen. This is modern day Syria, amen. And so he is a commander, in the Syrian army now here's what's interesting the Bible says the Lord helped him now you have to understand something about Syria Syria this country of Syria those who were from and those who are from Aram or the Arameans these were people who were not believers these were not God's chosen people they were not they were not as a matter of fact Israel was their enemy But we read something unique in the text that the Lord had helped him and his troops defeat their enemies. They were even servers or servants of the Lord Jesus, of of, of Jehovah God. They weren't believers. But yet the Lord helped him to defeat their enemies. So the king of Syria respected Naaman very much. Naaman was a brave soldier but the scripture states that he had leprosy. Leprosy. Now, if you understand anything about leprosy, leprosy is a foul skin disease. It, it, it's it's appearing dry. You might see people who have it today. You go online. You can Google it up. Amen. It's people who have scabs and and they have violent itching on their skin. It sometimes covers the whole body, but rarely the face. So sometimes you can't. You, you won't be able to tell who has it, who doesn't have it. One of the species of, 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 of leprosy is elephant Titus. You see people who have swollen legs. So this was a man of God who who, who was powerful, who, 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 who did great things, was a soldier in his king's army, but yet he had leprosy. If you remember the Old Testament, what was one of the things that God had asked Moses to do in the burning bush? He said, put your hands in your jacket. He pulled it out of his cloak and he had leprosy. They put it back in and then it was gone. Leprosy was something that was considered, when you had it, you were considered unclean. As a matter of fact, if you had leprosy, they put you outside of the camp. They put you outside the city. You couldn't live with your family. You were outcast, you were ostracized. You was broken. You could not live life. Your quality of life was diminished because of your disease. And so he was a man who was not just a soldier, but a commander in the army somebody who wasn't necessarily a believer in Jehovah God but he had leprosy and the Lord favored him that's so good for me to read that scripture today because that means that even in my mess even before I knew God, God can still favor me, even while I was yet a sinner, Christ still died for me, even while I was jacked up and didn't do things and wasn't even thinking about God he was still helping me And the Bible is here, the Lord helped him and his troops to defeat his enemies. Sometimes when you look back over your life, you realize that even in your sin, it was still God who was helping you. Even in your folly, it was still God who was helping you. Even while you was fornicating, even while you were locked up, even while you was in your junk, God was still helping you. He was still looking out for you. He was still covering you, helping you to defeat your enemies. And so we read that as we see here with Naaman. Now, Naaman has a problem. I call this the problem. He's doing a great thing, but yet he is handicapped by his disease. It shows me that good people can have major problems. (laughs) Good people, well-meaning, attentioned people uh, can have major problems. It lets me know that you can even have power to defeat your enemies, but still have issues. (laughs) I could win the battle. I could overcome my enemy, but I still got issues. I still have leprosy. I still have problems. There's still something that's causing me to itch at night because he had leprosy. Naaman fought his battles in pain. Leprosy was not just something that just caused a little itch. You are literally burning up all over your body. When he led his army to fight against his enemies, he was fighting in pain. Have you ever fought in pain? Didn't feel like you were going to make it. Didn't feel like you were going to overcome, but you were still fighting in the midst of your pain. You might have had a heavy heart. You might have been through some downfalls, but yet you were still fighting because Naaman had leprosy. This was a great and a faithful man, but he had a handicap. Now, as Christians today, there are so many different types of handicaps that we can have. We can paint Naaman's leprosy as his handicap, and we can identify with those handicaps. Some of us have handicaps. We have addictions. Uh-huh. We have addictions. We, we deal with all sorts of addictions. See, we we think addiction, we just think cigarettes and drugs and, and stuff like that. There's food addictions, amen. There's shoe addictions, clothes addictions. Come on, There's all sorts of types of addictions. Come on now. That's why when some people get delivered from one area of lust, the lust transfers to another area of their life. They get rid of fornication. And all of a sudden, they start eating. They get rid of smoking. And all of a sudden, they start drinking. They get rid of drinking, and they start doing this because the lust just got transferred. You didn't really get delivered. You dealt with the fruit, but you didn't get down to the roots. So there are handicaps of addictions. Some of us we have emotional handicaps. We're sensitive. We. Wear our feelings on our sleeves. So didn't greet you the right way in church this morning, so now you just messed up your whole worship experience. Someone didn't acknowledge you for your birthday, so now you're like they don't like you no more, so you don't talk to them no more. Emotional issues, you, you, you're you insecure. You look in the mirror, you don't like what you see, and you speak bad and down about yourself. Have you ever been around people just speak down about yourself? Girl, you know I'm ugly. Girl, you know I'm not pretty. Look, I'm fat. I don't like taking pictures. I don't like this. I, I don't like that. I don't, don't you know. No, no. Emotional issues. Honey, does this make me look fat? Emotional issues. Man, affirm your wives now. Emotional issues. Always rehashing stuff in your mind, something you 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 had a disagreement with somebody, and all of a sudden it's just like a tape reminder because we over and over. And I should have said and you literally have a conversation with, you, with yourself. Yeah, I know what I'm talking about here today. And you're getting more angry. It happened two years ago, you're still thinking about it. Every time you see the person, girl make me sick. I should have told her off when I had the chance. And they living their lives and you all bound up leprosy. <laughs> Still suffering. Handicap. Some of us have, have, have physical handicaps. Amen. We got physical things that, 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 that hold us back. We can't do certain things because of the physical nature we find our, ourselves in. Amen. And then we have spiritual handicaps. Amen. We're spiritually handicapped. We don't pray. We don't read the Word. We don't do what we're supposed to do. When last time you picked up a Bible, if it was last Sunday, that's not good enough. You should be reading your Word. You should be praying. Amen. Close out of crazy birds and open up the Bible app. Leave words with friends alone. Hallelujah. And open up the Bible app and read your devotion. Get on Facebook and tweet a scripture or something. Come on. Come on now. Come on. Yeah, I went there. I ain't scared of you. So we have different handicaps of things that try to hold us back and, and, and bind us up. But one thing I like about this man, Naaman, he did not allow his disorder or his weakness to stop his progression as a soldier in his king's army. And that's the thing that we have to have as a believer, that we will not allow our setbacks, our weaknesses, our temptations to stop us from advancing in the soldier in the king's army. We are a soldier in the army of the Lord. He was the commander. This was the chief soldier. This was the guy who trained Warriors, come on now. We we you you have to think of this as the attorney general or somebody who is in a high place of power over a nation. This is not just a one person, a group of a room of ten or fifteen people. He is the commander in chief, right under the king. Every time there was a battle, it didn't. Nothing didn't happen. Wasn't on his watch. So this is not just some low-ranking officer. This Naaman was the commander. He was in charge. But he had a problem. He had leprosy. Leprosy. We read about the problem, but let's hear about the promise. The Bible says, 2 Kings 5, verse 3, it says, Sometime later, the girl said, Now, we, we, we know this girl is from Israel because the Bible says... In verse 3, the Bible says actually verse 2, one day the, the Syrian troops were raiding Israel. So we know that there's a feud happening between Aram, which is Syria, and Israel. And one of the girls that were captured, they took as Naaman's wife's slave or servant. The servant girl said, because the servant girl knew about God, because she was, we, we, we believe she was an Israelite. And so she knew about the healing power of God. She knew that there was somebody who can help him, And so she released a promise to Naaman's wife. And Naaman shared it. Naaman's wife shared it with her husband. And it says, sometime later in verse 3 if your husband Naaman will go to the prophet in Samaria, he would be cured of his leprosy. He would be cured of his leprosy. A promise was released. A promise was released. What promise has God released to you? What are the promises that God has given you? You just need a word from God. You have to believe God. Will he speak something to receive it? A word from God is always a promise from him. We have to remember that. A word from God is always a promise for him. When the Lord said, this is our banner year, that's a promise from God. You have to stand on his promise. You have to trust him. You have to rely on him. You just can't give up and not have, grab hold of the thing that he has in store for you. And see, the problem with many Christians is that we plead the promise, but we violate the principles. You cannot say, God, I I want you to heal heal, heal my, 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 my heart condition. If you're eating fried chicken every week, you're working against your miracle. I guess the little hit my sugar diabetes and I eat ice creams and cupcakes and popcorn and all that. I work at midnight at that. Blood sugar high as, as as the sky. That does not work. Sometimes we plead promises. God, I want my, God, I want a house. God, I want a house. God, I want a house. But you in debt. You can't even pay your rent on time. Get a load of mortgage. We plead the promise, but you violate the principle. We have to be so ever careful, saints, because you know, I watch television and you know, sow your $199 seed. And God's gonna get you free in, in, in five days. And Pastor Alverna, I want you to, to sow $5 and 10 cents for 2 Kings 5:10. Because God is gonna bring you, God's gonna bring you out. And, and Pastor. I, I want you to sew this, and, and I want you to hop, skip, turn around three times. And it's going to happen for you. I want you to turn your, your, Brother Earl, I want you to turn your wedding ring around three times, and God's going to turn your mansion. You, we hear all this stuff, and it, and it sounds so good. It sounds like, whoa, yeah, yeah. It comes that quick, and it comes that easy, but it don't come that quick. It don't come that easy. People milking and prostituting the, the, the people of God out of their resources. Don't plead the promise and violate the principle. And that's why many of us, we don't see the promise of God fulfilled in our, in our time. But we said, Yeah, I believe in God. I believe in God. I believe in God. I believe in God. Me and Brother Gates just talk about God's about to explode. Come on now. But God ain't gonna explode if you ain't doing what you gotta do. You can speak in tongues so you blew in the face. You can have 20 prophets prophesy over you. Well, I want a man. I'm believing God for my, for, for my husband. Are you ready? You know, God showed me this real quick. He said, He, the scripture we read it all the time, he that find a wife find it a good thing, right? Is that what the scripture said? He that findeth a wife, right? Notice it doesn't say woman. That means you already a wife. That means you already prepared. That means it's already. That means it's, you already positioned yourself to become a wife. He that find a wife, find it a good thing. I don't want a woman. I want a wife. That means you got to prepare yourself. You can't talk about you want to be married and, and then you want to do your own thing. And the marriage don't work like that. You can't tell my honey, we married now. I'm going with the girlfriends. I'll see you later. that excuse me. What? Sit down. Come on. Come on. Come on. When, you, when you're married, it's not about singlehood anymore. It's about marriagehood. Come on. I mean, there's some sacrificing. Amen. That means you can't do what you want to do. Come on now. I had to tell my wife, I said, Man, we were caught. I had money. I said, We used to go on boat rides, go to, this, go to this place, go to that place, hang out here. I said, Well, child, just scraped up chairs, to go to McDonald's sometime. What's up? <laughs> but it's sacrifice. It's sacrifice. Now we're building up. Got rent, got a car, got health insurance, got all these different things. Come on, I had to worry about all that stuff before. When you marry, everything gets bought together. So you can't do everything that you used to do. He had a promise. He had a promise. Promise, 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 promise. A promise kept is a promise answered. I'll say that again. A promise kept is a promise answered. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20 to 22, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ, And so through him, amen, is spoken to us by the glory of God. Now it is God who makes us both, who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership upon us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. If God has made the promise, he will keep the promise. Many of us get angry with God because he doesn't move where we want him to move. We get frustrated because we don't understand God's timing. And some of us get upset because we think God's supposed to do us a favor. If you're not doing your part, come on now. You can't expect God just to pop up and do everything for you. We make deals with God. God, if you get me out this situation, if you get me out this, let's make a deal. I'll live for you. I'll go to church. I'll serve. I'll give my tithe. I'll do all this stuff. And he does it. And what we still do, we still, oh, well, Lord, you know my heart. I hate when people say that. Are you a believer? I have my own special relationship with God. Ain't no special relationship with God. The only way to get to him is through the Father. The way to get to the Father is through the Son. No special relationship. People... Crack me up sometimes when they say things like that. I'm like, you don't even know the word of God. You don't know the scripture. God has given us a promise. We have to hold on to that promise. And See, the thing is, when God gives you something, you better believe that that promise is going to be tried. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Let me tell you something. When God gives you a promise, you better believe the devil hears the very same promise that God just gave you. Come on. He said, it's your banner year. For some of you, you, feel like it was a banner year and a whole lot of other things opposite the good stuff. Banner year in sickness, banner year in trouble, banner year in debt. What's going on? What is this? What banner year is this, Lord? That promise is going to be tried. You better believe when God calls a marriage together. You better believe the hordes of hell are going to break loose against your marriage. Come on now. Come on. Marriage is a picture of Christ and his church. So when Satan looks at a marriage, he sees Christ and His church. He's gonna do any and everything to try to destroy that thing. That's why you gotta watch with that thicker in all that arguing and all that stuff. And, and, and I'm gonna leave. You ain't gonna leave. Sit down. Throwing wedding rings at each other, you better stop all that stuff. There's one couple who were elders in the church, and every time they got on an he kept saying, I'm on divorce, I'm on divorce, and they kiss make makeup, I'm going to divorce, I'm going to divorce. Finally they got divorced. Because that was the promise they were sowing into. You better watch what you say. You better watch how you talk to each other. You better watch what you speak over your life. You gotta have faith talk. You gotta talk in faith. If you don't see it, you better just speak it. I'm healed. I'm old. Come on now. Your husband ain't doing good. God, he will be He will be good. God, you will bless him. God, you will extend him. Come on. You got to see done in your spirit. You got to see the answer already there. Because the devil's job is to steal the vision, to kill your dream, and to destroy your destiny. My God. And so you have to be careful about what you speak. You have to be careful about what you say. Some people you can't even tell the promise to. Everybody can't handle your dream. Everybody can't handle your promise. And I told people I would get getting married. One brother came to me. He said, to who? I said, what well, to Sister Alverna? Does she know? does she know? You can't tell everybody, everybody can't handle your dream. I said, I'm going to start pastoring a church. You really want to do that? You sure that's God? I don't know. You sure that's your calling? People will will cause you to forfeit your anointing. I know God called me to be a prophet. People will cause you to forfeit your anointing. Or maybe God doesn't use me that way. Maybe I just need to sit down and keep... No, 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 no. You can't listen to man. And sometimes they're well-meaning, but they don't have the mind of Christ concerning you in that matter. That's why you have to know God's will for yourself. You have to hold on to the promise. You'll be tried before you walk into the promise. You will go through something. And the Bible says, after you suffered a little while, then you'll see the glory. Come on now. When I look, when, 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 I, when I look at the olive oil, and I see this oil, and it, it smells great, and it has that beautiful green olive color. But before this olive oil became oil, it was an olive. You understand the process of the way olives, olive oil comes forth from olives? It's beaten off a tree. Beaten. Not plucked like a plum in grapes. It's beaten. It's whipped. Now after it's whipped, it's put inside of a cold press. That means it's this big old big wheel of stone and it runs around in a circle and it's crushing the olives. And as the olives being crushed, then the oil begins to flow and you have olive oil. We as Christians are like this oil. You cannot get to the finished product without going through the process. You can't, you can't, you can't. There is always a portion between the promise, amen, and the fulfillment of that promise. We call it being processed. Scripture calls it the wilderness. You have to go through hardships. You have to go through pain before you get to the promise, And God takes us through this time of processing because it makes us more aware of his grace and his glory in our lives. I come out on the other side knowing that God has brought me through. I come out on the other side of the promise knowing God in ways that I never knew him before I went through this process. For some people, in certain areas, it'll look like life is just Breezing by for them. They got their house, they got their car, they got their kids, they got their dream. It just looks like on the outside, everything is going A okay. But one thing my mama told me everything that glitters ain't gold. And don't get caught up on the outside stuff. I remember when I was young, I see people marriages, they'd be in church, praise the Lord, and kissing their hubby, and, and now they're divorced. You don't get caught up on that stuff. People in church shouting, speaking the tongue, running around. Oh, she must be real spiritual, but yet having sex and got pregnant. God looks at the heart; man looks on the outward appearance. Hold on to your promise, take your name, but hold on to your promise. That's right. You better hold on to your promise. God has put something in your heart. Hold on to it and speak, keep your promise before you. Come on now. I don't care if you have to put it on your mirror every morning, you see what your goals are, your dream is, your vision is, to keep it before you. Because let me tell you, the devil's job is to steal it from you. He's to make you forget. We call it the cares of life. He wants to burden you and stress you out so you ain't even thinking about God and his will for your life. He wants to get you stressed out about your job, about your finances. He wants your wife to get on your nerve, your husband to make you pissed off. That's what he wants to do. And when you and when you financially strapped, you ain't thinking about no things of God. You think about working overtime, getting a second job. I just want to relieve this stress. You were here faithful every Sunday, and I only see you once a month. Come on. It's the devil. We have to know in our heart. That God's word is absolute. That no matter what we face, what we go through, it's absolute. God's word goes against world systems, science, education, culture, media, family, religion, governments, arts. His his word transcends it all. It's all. It's all. His word will let the Bible says heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall remain. When God promises you something, it is absolute. You can stake your life on it. You can build a house on it and live. Come on now. The Bible talks about a house that was built upon the rock and one was built upon the sand. And when the storm came, you got to see who house was really standing. It was the house that was built upon the rock. So that's why you can't look at everybody and think everybody doing the same thing you're doing. Because right now, you can't tell who's built upon a rock and who's built upon the sand. But when the storm comes, after the storm passes, you know who's standing who's not. That's why you can't, you can't look at people and get caught up on their stuff. Getting jealous and getting green-eyed and envied and wish that was you. No, you don't wish that was you. You don't know what problems they went through. You don't know what they're struggling with. Come on, some people handicaps are apparent and some stuff is hidden. And so that was the promise that was given to Naaman. So the promise. So we have the problem, he had leprosy. We have the promise, he could be cured of his leprosy. Now let's hear the prescription. Let's hear what God gave him to get his healing, to get his breakthrough. Now the Bible says in 2 Kings Chapter 5, verse 10. Elisha sent someone outside to say to him, Go wash seven times in the Jordan River, then you'll be completely cured. Go wash seven times in the Jordan River, then you'll be completely cured. Cured. Now Now, before they got to this point in Scripture, Naaman went to the king of Aram, the king of Syria, and told him, hey, my, 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 my wife's handmaid and her, 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 her servant told me that I can be cured, okay? So, he said, so he, he said, can I go to Israel, to the king of Israel, and ask him to cure me? He said, okay, I'll write you a letter. So Naaman gets a letter from, from his king, and then he goes to the king of Israel and said, hey, I want you to cure my servant Naaman from his leprosy. The king of Israel goes crazy. The Bible says he rips his clothes and begins to shout and say, what? Your, your king wants to pick a fight with me? Am I God? Can I heal this man? Can I do this for him? So he's going crazy. So the prophet Elisha hears what's happened with the king of Israel, and he tells the king of Israel, chill. Chill. Relax. Sometimes we get all stressed out and we read too much into stuff. There's another thing the devil uses gets little push and you're like, ow, oh, that hurt. You re- relax, I'm overreacting. Get a little pinch and you're like someone cut your arm off. Someone look at you the wrong way, you ready to kill yourself. Come on. Being overly sensitive. That's a handicap, emotional. And so, the prophet Elisha says to the king of Israel, relax, relax. Bring him to me. Then he will know that there is a prophet in Israel that he will know so in other words God is allowing this whole thing to happen to Naaman so Naaman at the end of the day will know that God is in Israel God is cooking up something it's not what you think it is but he's cooking up something You have to know that at the end of the day, God wants you to know that he's still the God of Israel. He's still the God who has it in his control. He's still the God who's going to work it out for you. He's still the God that's going to bring forth the promise that he's giving you. So the Bible says that Naaman now goes to the prophet's house at Samaria. And the Bible says that when he gets there, he's greeted outside by one of the prophet's servants. And the prophets say, hey, I know you're coming. Bah, 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 bah. This is what the prophet says for you to do. Now here is Naaman traveling all the way from Syria, coming to Israel. That's, that's, that's a long journey. This, 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 this ain't going to New York City, y'all. Okay? This is many days hence. But ain't no car, ain't no plane. this donkey. he haw this camels. Come on. Horses. Come on. He traveled all this way. Now, this is the commander now. This is not some low-ranking officer. This is the commander of the army of Syria, of the king of Aram. He said, I'm coming to the prophet's house. But the prophet says a servant outside his house. He doesn't even let Naaman come inside. He said, you go dip seven times in the Jordan, and you would be healed. Now, here's the problem, and here's the title of today's message. I didn't give it to you yet. The problem is Naaman started tripping, but he should have been dipping. My word to you is stop tripping and get dipping. Stop tripping and get dipping. He was upset because he said, the prophet didn't have a nerve to even come outside his house to meet me. He sends his servant to, 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 to greet me outside and tell me what I need to do. Who does he think he is? And then he wants me to get baptized in the Jordan River? He said, that there, 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 there's rivers that are more beautiful than the Jordan River? He said, what is this? What is this? Now you have to understand something. The Jordan River in Israel is not an aesthetically pleasing river. It, 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 it is not a beautiful river. When you look at it, the waters is dark and murky. Go and Google it, the Jordan River. It's not a pretty river. The Bible says it's not even a wide river. It's not wide. The way the Hudson River is, it's, it's not even wide like that. But it's a dark, murky, shrubs growing on the side. There's nothing heavenly, beautiful about it to the eye. But this was the same river that God used to cross Israel into the promised land. This is the very same river that Jesus was baptized in. So there's something that's symbolic about the Jordan River. Amen? And so... He said, I don't want to go no Jordan. I'm not going to do that. And he's about to miss his blessing because he started tripping. And I'm here to tell you today, God has given some of you a prescription for your promise. He's told you this is what you need to do to grab hold of the promise. And I'm here to say, don't forfeit your promise this morning. Don't forfeit your dream this morning. Don't give up all the hope that God has put inside your heart. You are this close to the promise that God has for you. So I encourage you to stop tripping and get dipping. Stop tripping and get dipping. It don't look pretty. It's not what you imagine. See, Naaman's thing was, couldn't the prophet have come out his house and that he could have did some wonderful, magical thing? He could have just went, you know, y'all watch Ben here, be healed. Touch. Let's fire on y'all. Hallelujah! I'm sorry. Could he have done that? He didn't even come outside to greet me. That's like you coming all the way from California to meet the pastor. The other the sister comes out. Yeah, Pastor, knew he was coming. He said, "You need to go do this, this, this." Okay, but can I meet him? Can I shake his hand? Can I do so? No, you just go ahead, and just do that. He was complaining. He was tripping. Why gotta be in this river? Why well, they got to be this way. And some of you are just like that. Why can't God answer the way I thought he was going to answer it? Why can't he do it the way I thought he was going to do it? Last time I checked, he was God. And he doesn't have to move the way you want him to move. God is a sovereign God. And that's the problem. We pick God into a box. But God is saying, break me out of the box today. Because I'm not going to do it the way you thought I was going to do it. I'm not going to do it the time length that you thought I was going to do it in. As a matter of fact, God is the God of time. The Bible says time is in him. He can stop time. The Bible says he's, the sun stood still while Israel was fighting. God can stand still time. God can redeem time. He can give you the years that the locusts and the cankerworm have taken away. So you cannot get caught up on time. You cannot get caught that God didn't do what you thought he was going to do it and how you want him to do it. We cannot figure out God. We are finite in our thank you, but God is infinite. All power is in his hands. He is a sovereign God. Some stop tripping, stop tripping, stop tripping. Stop tripping tripping, trying to figure it out. He's going to do it this way and he's going to happen that way and if I do this, if I, if I make it this way then he's going to do it that way. You don't know if he's going to do it that way. My husband, I got married saying five years we're going to have our kids and we're going to start our family it's been 11 years. I said now is the time. Come on now and he'll redeem the time, alright? Come on now. We'll pop out some twins and triplets or something. Come on. He'll redeem the time. Sorry, honey. <laughs> He'll do it. He'll do it. He'll do it. Well, I didn't go to college, but all my high school friends went to college. So what? You're in school now? Get that degree. Praise the Lord. Come on now. Stop putting God inside of a box that he had to do it in this time. Remember, his word transcends culture, science, systems, education, media, culture. He transcends it all. Well, I thought I'd be married by now. Who said that? Where does it say in the word of God that you got to be married by now? Oh, you're looking at the culture. Because by 20 something, you're supposed to be married, and by 30, you're supposed to have kids. But where does it say that in the scripture? God got a 90 year old woman pregnant. Come on. Don't ask for pride, but he made them new. Come on. Come on now. He can do it. He can do it. He can do it. He can do it. But God promised Caleb and Joshua. Caleb didn't get that month. He was 80 years old. He said, I'm still strong. I was a generation ago. Give me my mouth. grabbed hold of His promise. So God gives you a prescription, but just because He doesn't, just because He doesn't answer it the way you want Him to answer it, does not mean that it it's not God. Sometimes the answer to our prayer comes in a different package from what we expected it. And that's about what is here because when Jesus the Messiah came, they expect him to come out the sky with, with a robe hanging down. Here is the king of the Jews. Here is the Messiah. Ah! But here is Jesus born inside of a little farmhouse, a manger. A manger sounds good. It's a trough where they feed the, the animals from and swaddling clothes. Come on, that means hand-me-down clothes. That means the clothes that you don't wear no more, you just wrap it up just put them in a, in a blanket. Come on, he came humble. He came meek. He became mild. It ain't. They, they, he did not come in the way they expected him to come. Sometimes your answer, your prayer, your promise will not come in the way you expect it to come. And you can't box God in. You can't box God in. I love the story of Pastor Edgar and Sister DeBoer because... At one point, they could not see each other being each other's spouse. And if I told them about 2013, April, what's this, August the 18th, that they would be married. They looked at me seven years ago like, you are out of your cotton-picking mind. That is not my blessing from the Lord. The devil rebuke you. The devil rebuke you. Check that. Yeah, it was the devil, right? But God had a plan. The package wasn't the package that they were expecting. Oh, but when you, when you get a hold of God's package and you begin to open up that package and say, Lord, this is really for me. I didn't expect for it to come in this shape. I didn't expect for it to come in this size. But this is for me, Lord. This is custom made for me from heaven. This is my special gift, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And when he opened up that package and when she opened up that package, she said, my oh my, this is for me. Glory be to God. Hitherto has the Lord helped me. Great is his faithfulness. And see, that's the problem. Don't miss your blessing. Don't get your cup on the package. Well, I got this dream. I want to do it like this. Who said it's going to happen that way? Naaman was sure the prophet was going to come outside and just be healed. Throw some fairy dust on him. Be healed. Remember, this, this this, is a Syrian leader. He, he is a heathen. He does not know the God of Israel. His God, the God that they said was Ramon. They, they, they went to temples and, 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 and they did all these weird sacrifices. So he didn't know how they did what they did. That's why some people come to church, they don't know what we, how we do what we do. But they sit and they learn. He said, I thought you were going to go to the river. I want you to, to, to pray for me. I want you to do this, go to the river. Finally, his servant has enough boldness to say, Master, now, I know you don't like this, this, this situation, but if it was something harder that the prophet acted, if he told you to climb the mountain, go go climb Mount Carmel and, 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 and run down the rocks or something like that, he said, if it was something real hard and difficult, wouldn't you have done it? would do you have done it? He said, yeah. So he said, so what's the problem? We're just dipping in the river seven times. Just go do it. So finally, Naaman came to his senses. <laughs> and the Bible says he went to the river and he began, amen, to dunk himself seven times He began to dip himself seven times and after the seventh time the Bible says he was cured. he was healed, he was restored. He was touched so much that he forsook his God and he became a believer, the Bible says he became a believer and was something and, 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 and what's so, what is so prophetic about the scripture many times in the Old Testament you will see a foreshadowing of what's going to happen in the New Testament. And so scholars believe that this was a foreshadowing of what Christ does when he dies for us. He dies for not just for his Jewish brethren to be saved, but he dies for the heathen to be saved. This was not just a time for healing, a time for this curse to be broken up his life, but also that dipping was also his baptism into Judaism. That's their time, the, the mitzvah, that's their time for them to be ceremonial clean. And that was the reason why the prophet did not go outside to greet him because he was unclean. See, we don't understand why God does what he does, but God in his infinite wisdom understands it all. When the prophet got healed, he went back with treasures as I want to thank you. The prophet said, no. It's just for you to know that there's a God in Israel. There's a prophet in Israel. God has the ultimate plan. Don't forfeit your plan this morning. Don't plead the promise and violate the principle. Take steps to come out of that place that you're in. I don't care if you're in depression, take a step. Come out that place. Break the cycle. Whatever your addiction is, break the cycle. Whatever it is, break the cycle. Take one step so I'm coming out of this. Sometimes you pray for the breakthrough, but God wants to make you a breakthrough. Come on now. God gave me a breath again. He gave you it already. Sometimes we pray for stuff we already have. The Bible says you are completely supplied in Christ Jesus unto all good works. That means the grace that you need is already there. Sometimes we waste time praying and crying and crying and crying. God does not respond to fear. He responds to faith. Faith is saying, okay, God, I'm in this situation. It hurts. It hurts. It's painful. It's painful, but God, I'm trusting you to get me out of this day. God, I don't understand how you're gonna work it out, but you're gonna work it out. I'm gonna trust you. Now he starts responding. He said, Oh, she's making a way for me to come. All right. He's believing me to do the impossible. I'm gonna act on his behalf. He said, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna dip in, I'm gonna dip in this dirty Jordan. I don't understand why it's the Jordan. I don't understand what's going on. But God knew that centuries later, Jesus' Christ would be dipped in that very same Jordan. He knew that he will be full of the Holy Ghost and power. He knew that I was his son, that he was well pleased in. God was paying a picture for the church. And said, so you don't understand why God does what he does, but let me tell you some generations later, people understand why you had to go through what you went through because there will be a story behind your glory. There's a story behind your glory. You just didn't get that anointed overnight. Come on now. People look at my work and say, oh my God, she's anointed. I have people who travel around and say, I've never seen an anointed dancer like that before. And I say, yeah, because she went through a whole lot of hell to get there. By you all clubbing and stuff, she's praying in the Word, going through, going fighting demons on the job, going through all sorts of stuff, because it's the oil being made. So it comes time to pour. It comes from a pure well. See, anyone can minister. Anyone can share a word. Few people can do a dance. But do you have the anointing? Do you have the backing up of the power of God behind you that shifts the place? See, when I preached, I said, Lord, I want to shift the atmosphere. I didn't come just to speak a speech. The president can do that. But I come with power and I come with might because of the Holy Ghost. It's not me, but it's the Christ that dwells on the inside of me. And that's my promise. I hold on to it. You've taught me to do this. So I'm going to do this with all my heart. I'm going to do this with, with determination and not give up. I don't care if it's two people here, or 2,000 people here. I'm going to preach this word. And you have to have that tenacity. That I don't care what it looks like. I'm still going to press. Stop tripping and get dipping. Come on, musicians, come and help me. Stop tripping and get dipping. Take it name, stop tripping. Stop tripping. Some of you tripping over small stuff. And God says, get over it, get over it, get over it. Stop tripping. Stop tripping. Stop tripping. Stop tripping stop tripping. God has the ultimate plans. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9 says, my thoughts and my ways are not like yours. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, my thoughts and my ways are higher than yours. God sees on a different plane than what we can see. He sees on a different altitude. I love the song by B.B. C.C. I said, Lord, lift us up would well, we be long. you don't have to play that. But I love that song because it's saying that God, you want God to you up to a place that you can see stuff. See, from earth, from, 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 from the ground level right here, I could only see a certain amount. But the higher I go up, I not just see this campus, I'll see this community. I not just see the community, I'll see this county. The further I go up, I'll see the state. The further i go up i'll begin to see the eastern seaboard the higher i go i begin to see half the united states the more i go i begin to see the whole united states the higher i go at one point i'll see the world the perspective changes and see the problem is you allow the devil to bring you lower and lower and lower so you cannot see from a heavenly perspective that's why we have to have the mind of christ where is Christ? Christ is seated in heavenly places. You have to have a heavenly mindset. You have to see from his perspective. Once it got that in his head, he went and did what the prophet said. And he was not just healed, but he was transformed. He was restored. And I believe that God wants to restore us today, He wants to heal us today. He said, But, Pastor, I didn't think God's going to answer me this way. The Jordan River is dirty. I don't want no dirty water. I don't want to bathe in no dirty water. But God says that if that's the way you're healing, you better dip seven times. You better go after your blessing. See, sometimes we go after the promise of God, it's a messy thing. It's not pretty. Sweat, tears, grief. I look at Sister Lizette, and she puts her stuff up on Facebook about her exercise. Come on, she does her Shakeology. She does, she does her exercising. And I'm pretty sure, doing some of them videos, she's like, Lord, oh, Lord. If it could be another way I could blink and it all that it could just fall off, I would do it. Oh, God, but I have to stretch. I have to kick. I have to squat. I got to do what I got to do so I can get my promise. My promise is a healthy body. Come on. I more. I got to go through the process. It's painful, but God has the ultimate plan. And I tell you, just like Naaman, once he stopped tripping, tripping and got dipping, his whole perspective changed. His whole life changed. And God did it for him. So in order to receive the blessings of God, we must be obedient to his command. Hallelujah. We must trust him. As I think I talked about walking in the spirit last week, a new way of living, a new operating system. We have to operate differently that whatever God says we're gonna do, even if it doesn't make sense, even if it's not pretty, he wants us to trust him. If this word is for you, this morning, I just want you to stand where you are. We're gonna pray. As a church this morning, let's believe God. Tell your name to stop tripping and get dipping. Hallelujah. Thank you. Just lift your hands. Father, in the name of Jesus. We bless your name. Like name and we come before you, God heal us from our leprosy, heal us from our ailment, heal us from our disease, heal us from our handicap, God. God, we've been fighting in pain. Oh God, we've been fighting in pain, oh God. But there's a promise. The promise that your son Jesus gave us, that we can be healed, that we can be renewed, that we can be restored, oh God. And so we're asking today, oh God, that you will help us, God. Oh God, we thank you for the prescription of healing. We thank you, oh God. We thank you that even though it doesn't look the way we thought it would look, it doesn't feel the way we thought it would feel, God. But your answer is still yes. Your way is still yes. Our heart still says yes to you oh god even though we don't understand it, god we still say yes lord yes lord yes lord yes lord yes to your will god yes to your way oh god oh god we thank you today for the breakthrough we think that this is the day you will manifest your promises you will manifest the things that we have committed to you against that day we thank you for oh god the dream the destiny that you put within our hearts and our lives, oh God. And we serve notice to the devil right now and his imps that say, no weapon formed against us, a shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise up against us in judgment, oh God, we condemn it right now in the name of Jesus. We bind up every lie that he will try to send to our minds We come against all the cares of life He will try to send to stress us out and to cause us to forfeit the promise and the destiny of God. We come against every scheme right now. He will sin against our marriages, against our homes, against our jobs, against our bodies, against our finances, against our dreams. In the name of Jesus, Father, we're asking you for your grace today, for your strength today, for your breakthrough today, oh God. God, we're going to stop tripping right now. Getting upset over the small little things. Oh, God, we let it down. We lay it down. We lay it down. And we're going to get the dipping. We're going to get the dipping seven times. Seven times. We're going to dip seven times for completion. We're going to dip. We're we're, going to go forth and do what you've called us to do. In the name of Jesus, we're going to stop complaining. Stop comparing. Stop murmuring. And we're going to do your will so we can see the promise fulfilled. Because true obedience brings the blessing. True obedience brings the blessings, Lord. So, Father, I thank you. And I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.